Hey, everyone. Before we start today's show, we wanted to share something important with our listeners. Both Darren and I wanted to take a moment to reflect on the recent shootings in Atlanta that seem to have targeted Asian women. Our hearts go out to these victims and their friends and their families. We stand proudly in support of the Asian community and are disgusted by the recent spree of Asian-targeted crimes plaguing our country. We feel that it's our responsibility as podcasters with a platform to admonish this racist hate and voice our support to our Asian listeners that we stand with you and will do our part to support you and stop Asian hate in whatever way we can. For more information on stopping Asian hate and to learn how you can become an effective ally, visit www.stopaapihate.com. Dot org or click the link in our show notes. Again, for more information, you can go to www.stopaapihate.org or click the link in our show notes. Well, 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 Johnny boy, the Ides of March have passed us, and we are well on our way to spring here in New York. Am I, uh, uh, we are, we are living for daylight savings time right now as New Yorkers, as you know. How has it been going in your neck of the woods, as Al Roker says? Thank you for asking. It's funny you mention Al Roker because somebody else brought him up to me yesterday, and that's weird. When we were in the office back at 30 Rock when I was at Oxygen, and you're still there, but not at the moment, but right. I would sometimes run into Al Roker in the elevator bank. He would drive oh. his foldable bicycle to work every day. And um, he was so sweet and nice because I'm sure he gets this a thousand times a day. Like, hey, Al, how's the weather? You know, because he's the most famous weatherman. And instead of like responding to that, he would get into the elevator. And every time he did it, he would just let everybody know what the weather was going to be like. And every in the elevator car. And he was like, uh, and everyone was like, Oh, my God, thanks, Al. Have a great day. Al. It was just a fun little today show that office interaction. I know. Like like the little things you get to see at 30 Rock because I know, you know, and you and I have actually talked about this before. It's just that like getting to work in that building was always so much fun. Uh, It was was beautiful. But you know what? We're continuing to be shaken and disturbed here. And I just (laughs) wanted to announce, you know, continue to thank everyone who's joined our Patreon. Thank you to all the patrons. Mm -hmm. And our first ever after show episode is coming out tomorrow on Monday. Woohoo! If you're listening to this when we drop it on Sunday, Monday is tomorrow. Uh, for those of you listening in the past, it's up if you're at that $7 <laughs> disturbed tier. Um, you know, and for those of you who came over to us for Martinis and Murder, it's just kind of like another shot. It's literally more yeah. about me and John's lives and what's been going on. So it's not not necess- it's NMR, not murder related necessarily. That's a but great just way bonus. To put it. Yeah, and MR, uh, just bonus shows that we record right after a full episode to keep you going. You know, during school, work, or when the kids are annoying you and you want to put on headphones and hear John talk about his haunted house <laughs> and me talking about yeah. me being gay. You know, the things that I like to discuss, although I will say I got a nice little cameo the other day from a a, a really nice um, 
guy who was a dishwasher mm. and he said that like and I said oh washing dishes is kind of like my therapy in a lot of ways although I'm sure you hate uh-huh. it because you do it for work right. and he said it's actually he wrote me back on Cameo after I did a video for him and he was like listening to you and John is a good way to kind of like pass the time mm. it's so funny and therapeutic so I just wanted to shout him out I don't want to say his name if he didn't shout want me out. to mention it but uh, you know who you are if I'm talking about you that's I hope so you're... cool yeah. it's so funny because like I listen I have so many shows myself that I like you know, just have on in the background whenever I'm just doing my thing. And it's 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 a good way to keep yourself, com- keep company in a pandemic in particular. So that's good. I, uh, I, Wait, uh, great. Before we move on, should I get Cameo? I keep thinking about it and people keep asking me, but I don't know if I, like, am I not, like, I'm not famous. Should I get well, it? Well, neither Neither am I. I mean, I think that's kind of the, kind there, of it's a very low risk. I mean, you put it that's up true. there and if no one buys it, who cares? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> sometimes I even forget about it to be, to be yeah, fair. And then true. I'm like, oh shit, I can do oh, this. I got a and cameo. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's like a nice little thing for someone. Um, yeah. You know, maybe we'll do special cameos in our Together. Patreon stuff and oh. I can get off cameo. We'll make it exclusive for Patreon Wait, in a lot of ways. That's a great so, idea. Let's look into that, Darren. So maybe some private cameos for yeah. some special tiers. But um, but yes, anyway. Okay, so anyway, quick little update about the show. Yeah. This might surprise some of you, so, so bear with us a little bit. But Matt has decided to move on from the show. Yes. No bad blood here. Um, we aren't sure what he's up to now, but... Um, we had a great four years with Matt uh, from the Boston show, which is just oh, yeah. iconic at this point. To me getting very obliterated at the Caroline show and throwing all the pits <laughs> That's at him. right. Uh, all the way yeah. back to those days, even to Crime Con. Um, yeah, yeah, we had a lot of great fun with Matt, and we um, are wishing him well. Yeah, we'll miss him. We wish him the best of luck with whatever he's up to now. We we hope for the best. And I'm just happy we can finally make our own drinks so that oh way they God. can be delicious. So what are you drinking today, John? <laughs> tell me what tell me what you got. Yes. So I am actually drinking um a coffee with Bailey's Irish <gasps> cream, but let me tell you why. Yeah. First of all, I love some coffee. I need it's you know, we record these sometimes during the day. We're kind of all over the place, but I need my my midday coffee, whatever day of the week it is, even on weekends. For sure. And I completely forgot it was St. Patrick's Day on the day it was St. Patrick's Day. I was so busy with work. I got all caught up. And then I'm like, I didn't even have any Irish cream. It's like the one day of the year I need to drink my Baileys and I just didn't have it. So I'm compensating today with that. Well, you know what? I am doing a similar thing. I kind I think quarantine has sort of affected us all not getting to see like the green in people's offices as like this yeah. signal that St. Patrick's Day was coming, but <laughs> or what uh, they're I'm wearing, having, you know. I'm having coffee as well except not Bailey's Irish cream oh. just because it's a little too sweet for me. I put a little mm. whiskey in my coffee this morning. Oh, like I've never done that. I, I almost did I almost wanted to do you can't see us video wise. Maybe we'll film this for Patreon, but it's like I wanted to put it in one of those uh you know like little mm-hmm. And blank a uh, flasks and like put it in secretly when we were recording you know how like old timers do uh when they're on the job uh back in the day so that's right. kind of what i'm doing today but we're both having coffee and yeah, just to us. celebrate saint patty's day a little belatedly i'm having yeah. whiskey you're having a little irish cream so cheers john cheers um yes the, obviously with all the coffee we have in our veins we're going to be completely amped up right like this is going to be the most amped up uh, show you've ever heard. I'm so excited. I 
can't take it. Let's start the case. See, this is why you and I work so well as I set you up for those moments and you take the you really do. every time. I love it. Of course. Yes. All right. Well, let's get into today's case. Um, on July 8th, 2001, which Darren is the same day. I want to uh-huh. mention as, as I sit here, I'm going to hold it with my Funko Pop. Oh, my Lord. Venus Williams Funko Pop. Venus Williams won her third Grand Slam title at Wimbledon. She would go on, Darren, to win the U.S. Open a mere three months later after this one as well. So Casual. Just, Casual. I'm just setting up the moment for everybody. No, you're setting the scene, and that's what we needed. A lot <laughs> right. of people here don't remember what happened on July 8th, 2001, yeah. and that's why, that's why mm-hmm. you're here. Right. Absolutely. No, I get it. 100%. Yeah. So on July 8th, 2001, Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department officers responded to a report of a dead body behind a dumpster on West Flamingo Road, which is a road I would love to live on just as a flaming homosexual. Sure. Um, as a flamingo. As a flamingo As myself. a flamingo. Well, oh my God, flam- guys. I'm here all fucking week. You see, okay? where I, you see where we went with that? I will yeah. say this. I eat, Did you know that flamingos are pink because they eat shrimp? Yes, I did. I thought I was the only one that knew that, but I um, also... Well, you're not, sweetie. <laughs> I also so. eat a lot of shrimp. I absolutely love oh. shrimp. I love seafood. So I am a flamingo. Let me live my life. Uh, go for it. My best flamingo life. Um, anyway, this is obviously in Las Vegas. The body was later identified as Duran Bailey, mm-hmm. which is crazy because I just said Bailey's Irish cream a mere minutes ago. And people um, have called me Duran before, so maybe... That's true. You get all kinds of crazy names. I really do. And my name is Phonetic. Yeah, like it's that's very that's weird. what's weird. It's it's I understand it's like kind of a weird spelling for Darren in sure. terms of it not being D A R E N or D A R I N, but like, what is yeah. the difference I between D A R I N and D A R Y N? Like, why would the pronunciation be so different? People are very confused about the Y in my name, and I don't get Let it. Let me ask you this: Do you get this only in email? Because I have noticed when I've emailed you in the past, my computer will autocorrect to Darby. Well, Darby, Darby, I've even probably signed Darby before. Um, No, it's like people who are, you know, when you're like calling out a name or like, you know, I was at the dentist's office and they're like, Darin. And I'm like, it's Darren. Like how I just don't think dentists of all people would know. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Anyway, we could go on and save it for the after show. You know, I will. I will. I will complain in the after show. (laughs) Yes. Well, an autopsy revealed very extensive damage to this body inflicted by both sharp and blunt objects, including a slashed throat, broken teeth, abrasions. Oh, which is my nightmare. Uh, broken teeth. Okay, Abrasions to the head. I'm, I'm with you. And a series of skull injuries to the front and back of the head. Additionally, Bailey's penis had been completely amputated at the base with a slash wound between the victim's buttocks from above his anus through through and into his rectum, ending at the underside of his scrotum. These are lots of uh, very intense medical terminology. God forbid if this was a woman, you would not be able to say vagina know, right? or vulva or anything like that. No, so. I know. This is why no, we I... gave you that section, you know? <laughs> I want to make it clear, I'm not one of those guys who cannot handle the V word, but I won't say it in a weird way. Okay, just, yes. just a reminder for everybody. Of course. Um... Anyway, unfortunately, his penis was found several feet away from his body. So this, as a man, let me just say, Darren, is excruciating to even describe. Gotta be the worst thing ever. (laughs) And, you know, just the way that this killing has, what you're describing right now, this sounds like 
clearly a revenge thing to for me. sure I mean, something anyone that's like ju- that. yeah or some type of psychosis that's linked with yeah uh, mutilation of genitals mm-hmm. you know this would be kind of popular if you had done it among several people mm-hmm. um but just this mutilation that we're talking about here considering the penis was literally severed at at the base yeah. says something to me that this is way deeper and psychological than just your run-of-the-mill horrible yeah. murder yeah i agree yeah. Well, while the police were still on the scene, an unnamed woman approached them and said that a man she knew as Duran and St. Louis raped her on July 1st and wanted to know if his bo- his was the body that they had found. The mm. woman stated that although Duran had threatened to kill her if she told anyone about the rape, she'd reported it to police on July 5th, 2001, three days prior. She went on to inform the police that she told several male neighbors about the attack and that they'd threatened violence against Duran in retaliation. Um, I've been unable to find documentation. We've been able to unf- to find documentation uh, as to whether or not the police pursued this lead. I mean, it's hard to tell if they did yeah. or didn't. The the sources seem a little conflicting in a lot of ways when we were researching it, and it's just yeah. we just want to make it clear that it, it po- it's possible they did, and possible that yeah. like a lot of rape cases, you know, they kind of go under the wayside with a Sadly, lot of people. That's, unfortunately, yes, yeah, that's true. In mid-July 2001, 18-year-old Kirsten, excuse me, Lobato from Panaca, Nevada, all kinds of fun words today, Kirsten Lobato from Panaca, Nevada, told her former teacher and counselor that she'd been attacked by a man during a recent trip to Las Vegas. She claimed her attacker had tried to sexually assault her and that she'd cut off the man's penis as she tried to escape. Hmm. Okay. I do think about this a lot um, because, you know, like my Cutting parents off men's always penises, you're saying, well, if I was attacked <laughs> and I think about this a lot, just as a woman being attacked and I do think of it as a very male dominated thing. I think less For about sure. being attacked by women, but I'm not, not acknowledging that that could happen. But yeah. I do feel that women, especially with this need to be taught that like, Listen, girls, you kick a guy in his balls. I don't care how old or how young or how strong or how weak. He's going down. Like, well, as a man, I can tell you that is absolutely the best possible way right. to get yes. rid of us. Yes. And I'm not saying you can always do that, but I'm saying that should yeah. always be the first thing that comes to your mind of like, how the fuck do I kick this guy or punch That's this guy or in his nuts because he's going down. So <laughs> just a, a little piece of advice for you. Yeah, no, that's great advice. And I, again, as a man, great advice. On, yes. um, so on July 20th, juvenile probation officer Laura Johnson called LVPD, the Las Vegas Police Department, to report a rumor she'd heard from her friend, Kirsten's former teacher, that Kirsten was going around telling people that she'd recently cut off a man's penis in Las Vegas. For reference, Panaca, Nevada is about 160 miles, 166 miles from Las Vegas, so about a three-hour drive. Yeah. Um, the Las Vegas PD got wind of this story, and Detective Thomas Towson interviewed Kirsten, and during the interview, Towson commented to Kirsten that he, quote, knew she'd been hurt in the past. Uh, end quote, in reference to his knowledge that she'd been molested at six oh, years God. old, which is horrifying. Kirsten began to cry and said, quote, I didn't think anybody would miss him, end quote. Okay, okay. <laughs> so officers immediately Mirandized Kirsten, after which she agreed to make an official statement to the police. She informed Detective Towson that she'd been assaulted in Las Vegas and that she had used her butterfly knife to defend herself from her attacker attacker she'd cut the man's penis but didn't know whether or not she'd completely severed it 
she then escaped, leaving her attacker on the ground crying. Kirsten was vague about the exact date of the attack, admitting to the officer that she was high on drugs at the time, which of course isn't, you know, isn't necessarily an, uh, an excuse, I guess is the best way to put it, but it does sort of give you a frame of reference as to what's going on with her. Yeah. Well, when asked if she'd hit the man with anything but her knife, Kirsten replied, no, but that's, it's pos. I have a baseball bat that I keep behind my seat or had a baseball bat, end quote. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you here, but yeah, I not, I don't, do you keep any, I guess you don't want to say if you keep anything next to your bed, so to speak, but I will say this in my haunted house, Darren, things are creaking. It sounds like people are walking up my steps at any given time. I have an old tennis racket. That I, I just love that. I think you've said that before. And I'm like, what are you going to do? Like serve the intruder Listen, to death? Like, what are you going to do? Let me like, tell you, I'm going to ten- ace you right now, motherfucker. <laughs> We're going to play tennis, you, you scary That's right. intruder. Yeah. No, no, it's, you know, tennis rackets are extremely durable. You know, they're yeah, made of yeah. like whatever, titanium, whatever it is. And they, especially if you have the really tight strings on them still, they can inflict a lot of damage. Because especially me, Darren, you know, I have very good technique. I, oh, of um, course. You know, I can really serve a ball, as they say. So, you know, I could certainly see myself, like, you know, doing my service motion and then following through on top of a man's head um, and just completely butchering him if I needed to, you know? I get so, that. By the way, this is a warning to anyone who might try to, you know, Well, I, I will say, I used to live in a uh, less safe type of apartment mm-hmm. where I didn't have a doorman, and so I did sleep with something by my bedside, but, mm. and now I still have that same thing, but at the same time the building that i had moved into recently is like very protected like it would take a huge line of defense to kind of get through right right right. anything so i do feel a little bit more protected in this building and less so reliant on that but you know after this interview was over chris kirsten was placed under arrest excuse me and was ultimately and by the way i apologize if sometimes (laughs) during the show i say kirsten or kirsten like it depends yeah. sometimes, and if I flub it, it's the same person. I just have this, like, brain fart when it comes to That's it for okay. some reason when I'm reading it, so I just want to let you guys know that You're doing I don't amazing. mean to— You're doing great, sweetie. You're doing um, amazing, sweetie. After the interview is o- over, Kirsten was placed under arrest and was ultimately charged for the murder of Duran mm. Bailey with counts of murder with the use of a deadly weapon and sexual penetration of a dead human body. Which is just, which is, like— It's very interesting. I don't know— that sexual penetration of a dead human body to me implies um, like necrophilia yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. I'm not sure that's what's going on here, but I'm sure the law is very vague in terms of it's probably, probably. broader than we're thinking about right now. So probably yeah. before trial, Kirsten took a polygraph exam after which the examiner reported her as being truthful when she denied involvement in either crime. Now, before trial, Kirsten rejected an offer to plead guilty in exchange for a three year prison sentence. Which seems, you know, I I struggle with this a mm-hmm. lot. If I was sort of put under this duress, let's say I was innocent, yeah. um, and would I plead guilty in exchange for a three-year prison sentence? Now, a lot of people are like, hey, if you're innocent, fight to the death. And I get that. But the way yeah. that the criminal system works is that the punishment, there could be a, a greater punishment on the other side of it. So it's like, do I just mm-hmm. admit this, even though it's not correct, for hopefully a lesser sentence in the long run? Because three years is 
more of an easier sentence to probably wrap your head around than, let's say, 25 to life or something like that. Yeah. Now, it's a tough decision, and I think it's an individual one to make. I was just going to say that it's very wrapped up, in my opinion, in like what evidence is out there. You know, if you feel like your evidence or could lead to a strong case, it might be worth it to say, you know what, I'm not going to plead guilty. I am absolutely right. innocent. Yeah. Right, exactly. Well, in May of 2002, Kirsten went to trial at the Clark County Superior Court. The prosecution's theory was that Kirsten had gotten high on meth, sought out Duran for, for more meth, and agreed to trade oral sex for meth, but then changed her mind kind of in this act, and Duran mm. had assaulted her, and she'd bought, fought back with her knife and baseball bat. Now, during trial, several witnesses testified for the prosecution regarding statements made by Kirsten Lobato to the effect of she was attacked on a trip to Las Vegas and used a knife in self-defense. But the different accounts were inc incongruous about the severity of the injuries inflicted. There was testimony that Kirsten had claimed to have severed her attacker's penis, that she'd slashed it, or that she'd stabbed him in the abdomen. The coroner, however, who examined the body testified that the body had been found roughly 10 to 18 hours after death, and that mm. at least some of the blunt force injuries were consistent with either an attack with a baseball bat or a fall against a cement curb, which is interesting here. Now, the coroner also testified that the wounds to the victim's genitals were sustained post-mortem, and that his ultimate cause of death was due to the laceration of one of his uh, carotid arteries. This testimony strongly implied at that at least some of the blunt force trauma was caused by assault okay and it's very interesting here because again just to re re explain this the the wounds to the genitals were sustained post mortem so that would right. sort of indicate that it might not have been a uh defense scenario here self defense is what i'm trying to say could right. Be, it it was at least caused with some scuffle. It's hard to say right. what happened during that scuffle, but that's what at least it says. Now, totally. Duran's time of death was crucial to the prosecution because mm -hmm. Kirsten was seen by witnesses in her hometown three hours away throughout the day of July 8th. Three hours oh. away, I mean, that takes time, okay? Yeah. The county medical examiner, Dr. Larry Sims, who had testified at a preliminary hearing that he estimated the time of death about 12 hours prior to the discovery of the body at 10 p.m., that would put us at about 10 a.m., yeah. now testified that the death could have occurred up to 18 hours before oh. the body was found. So that puts it in, like, the middle of the night, very right. early, early morning hours of that day of July 8th. The prosecution argued that Kirsten had killed Duran early in the morning, then driven home to be seen by witnesses. The prosecution's star witness was Corinda Martin, one of Kirsten's fellow inmates at Clark County Detention Center, who was in prison for robbery mm. and coercion. So Corinda testified that Kirsten had boasted about being in jail for murder and had forcibly amputated a man's penis and placed it, quote, down his throat. Disturbing. Ooh. Corinda claimed that Kirsten had made statements expressing concern that blood might be found in her car because she had struck the man in the face. This testimony also claimed that Kirsten had discussed knowing her attacker, Darren, with two uh, R's. Uh, okay. I just, okay, it's not me. I checked. Not you. Okay, good. And that she'd picked him up on the street to purchase meth, and that after she was high, Darren had wanted to have sex, but Kirsten refused, stabbing him at least eight times in the rectum. Ooh, I mean, these boy. are very vicious attacks, you know? Like, this isn't like, oh, I'm pissed off, I'm just, I'm snapping. This is like, I'm making calculated, you know, decisions where to stab. 
Right, of course. If this is true, of course. This is just testimony. Um, Corinda went on to state that Kirsten had claimed, although Darren had never tried to force himself on her, she was going to play the poor me card and claim she'd been assaulted. Corinda testified that she'd contacted uh, the DA's office after these conversations with Kirsten and provided her account of these conversations. She also stated that although she'd asked for a letter of recommendation to the parole board in exchange for her testimony, the DA had denied the request. Basically, this is just to say that You know, Corinda had apparently heard all these things, and in exchange for sharing that knowledge with the DA, she wanted a uh, basically a letter of recommendation to help get her maybe her sentence reduced uh, in some capacity. Interesting. Um, Okay. Well, that would make sense, I guess. Yeah, there you go. So under cross-examination, Corinda admitted that she'd unsuccessfully attempted to get herself released from jail on a number of occasions. She'd filed numerous motions for bail, for bail, house arrest, and ROR. Corinda stated that while she'd be willing to do whatever was necessary to get out of prison, she wouldn't lie or deceive the court to do so. So again, pretty much what I was just saying there. Um, that's, the, a, that's a moral... Uh, statement to make I think yeah. you know what I mean I think every prisoner wants to get out and some are willing to kind of be the snitch if you will or at least maybe lie in order to help their sentences but this is clearly someone who cares about the court of law to some For extent sure. I would say yeah I mean, I think that's a great way to put it. The defense believed they had evidence uh, that this last statement was perjury. So there's a lot of drama kind of going on here. Um, They called for a recess hearing to determine if she could continue as a witness or if she would need to be impeached. By the way, a recess hearing is where the trial pauses and the judge, the defense, and the prosecution go away to decide how they need to continue the trial, in this case, with or without Corinda as a witness. so Right, so it's kind of like a stop-down, a regroup, if yeah. you will, in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's Exactly. Right. So during that recess hearing, away from the jury, the defense confronted Corinda with evidence to demonstrate that Corinda had attempted to defraud her sentencing judge for her own trial. Oh, dear. So one handwritten recommendation letter in Corinda's own handwriting and an attached cover letter to one of her former prison mates, Brenda Self, requesting that Brenda copy the letter in her own handwriting and send it in to the judge for sentencing. The letter stated falsely Brenda Self had hired Corinda, continued to employ her, and that Brenda would personally assist Corinda in any way possible. This is kind of, and I, yeah. and I mean this pejoratively, but very sp- smart yeah like it, it wouldn't be something that i would think to do like copy yeah. the letter in your own handwriting like it's just yeah totally. it's manipulative for sure and i'm not recommending it but it's it's stealthy <laughs> in a way you know you're not recommending you know forgery and everything no Darren? no okay. i mean i'll do it for you at a nice price <laughs> but i don't recommend you right. know Yeah, so, you know, she had allegedly written out this recommendation letter and wrote Brenda another letter asking her to copy it into her own handwriting. So although Corinda denied writing or ever having seen the letter, the envelope that the letter came in had her own return address and prison number on it. Ah. This evidence suggested that Corinda had perjured herself when she stated she would never lie or attempt to defraud the court in order to be freed from prison. Ultimately, however, the hearing judge decided this evidence wasn't relevant for the jury, so they never got to take the fraud into account with her testimony. Now, Kirsten also, which is, I think, somewhat important. So Kirsten also testified in her own defense, stating that an unknown man had attempted to sexually assault her, and she fought back, cut him with a knife, and fled. 
The jury returned guilty verdicts on both charges and was given wow. con- was given consecutive sentences, 20 to 50 years for first degree murder with a deadly weapon and five to 15 years for sexual penetration of a dead body. So, so this is what I was saying about her not wanting to plead guilty because she feels like she was innocent. But at the same time, you do face yeah. a, pretty much like a life sentence almost, you know, 20 to 50 years. I'm not saying that your life is over, but it's, it's it, for the foreseeable future, you're in prison. Right. You know, so shortly after Kirsten was found guilty, a police department document examiner filed a report revisiting the two letters that defense attorneys believed would have disqualified Corinda's testimony. The examiner's report stated Corinda had written at least one of the letters. The court denied the defense's initial motion for a new trial based on this new information. Kirsten then filed an appeal to impeach Corinda by extrinsic evidence and be given a new trial, which the court granted. The -hmm. court decided that in spite of her adamant statement that she'd never lie or try to deceive the court in order to be released from prison based on new evidence that Corinda had definitely written at least one of the fraudulent letters, her primary motive was indeed Mm. to get out of jail and not to be honest with the court. So... In layman's terms here, the court basically decided that there was too great a likelihood that Corinda's testimony was false. And because her only motivation was to help the state in exchange for parole, she was impeached as a witness. So Mm, essentially it wasn't, Corinda was out for herself. That was right. it. It wasn't yeah, totally. to better the case. So because Corinda's testimony was a major part of the state's circumstantial case against Kirsten, she'd known the victim and killed him while they were doing drugs together, and Corinda's testimony oh. was no longer admissible, therefore, the court reversed Kirsten's conviction and granted her a new trial in September of 2004. Now, Kirsten went to trial a second time in September of 2006. Neither Corinda nor Kirsten testified at the new trial. Forensic evidence Hmm. included 22 fingerprints that had been found at the scene, but neither matched Kirsten nor nor Duran, Darren, Mm -hmm. cigarette butts that contained DNA matching Duran and a second unidentified male, Hmm. chewing gum matching Duran and a third unidentified person, and a DNA analysis of pubic hair found on Duran's body matched a fourth unidentified male, Hmm. and Kirsten's DNA was not found Anywhere, anywhere at the scene which as we've stated out. and which as we've stated before okay like if john and i let's say john you've never visited this apartment that i'm in right now which you haven't yeah but no. let's say we go out to get a cup of coffee uh, a mile away from here or something right yeah, yeah. your dna could still come back oh. and be in this apartment because you and i have exchanged a hug a handshake a cup of coffee Darn. whatever the fuck it is maybe i want more than that <laughs> maybe um, more than that sometimes quarantine can change things <laughs> But I'm just saying, like, it's very easy to get DNA well, anywhere, is my point. So for her DNA not to be found is pretty, pretty Derek, major. Let's take it one step further. I've never been in your apartment, haven't seen you in a year. Let's say you were unpacking a book that I, you know, was reading alongside with you. And, you know, one of my hair fell out into the book. And suddenly now you're opening the book in your new apartment. And my DNA is in your apartment, despite I don't even know, like, what your building looks like. So exactly, DNA is not always the the specific indicator, but it can rule out the most important facts of the details. It definitely Um, helps... prove maybe not guilty you can't really prove innocence but prove a not guilty verdict by the way the fact that she was um you know sentenced and convicted with no dna found at the scene come on you know how annoyed i get with this Yeah. yeah 
Well, anyway, at the second trial, the coroner, Dr. Sims, testified that Duran's death could have occurred 12 to 18 hours before 3.50 a.m. on July 9th, 2001. At the first trial, he testified death occurred 12 to 18 hours before 10 p.m. on Mm. July 8th when the body was discovered. So a lot of details here. Re, you know, hit that rewind button if you want to make sure you got your times right. I'm I'm a stickler for times in particular. It's a big difference, though, to say for like sure. 12 to 18 hours is the same, but 3.50 a.m. on July 9th and 10 p.m. on July 8th, not only are those two different days, they're two different yeah. frames of the night, you know? Right, so it's, absolutely. It can change a lot here, yeah. Yeah, well, on October uh, 6, 2006, Kirsten was convicted of voluntary manslaughter and sexual penetration of a dead body and was sentenced to 13 to 45 years in prison. The Odd conviction. Number. I know. The f- uh, the conviction was upheld in February 2009. In 2010, Kirsten filed a state law petition, which included dozens... Of- By the way, still no conversation about self-defense, really, and the fact uh, that she was a- allegedly attacked in this moment. Right, exactly. But, okay, let's, let's just put her away forever. In uh, 2010, Kirsten filed a state law petition, which included dozens of grounds of- to overturn her conviction, most notably the fact that there was no evidence of blowfly activity on Duran's body. So this meant he was most likely killed after 8 p.m. on July 8th, just a few hours before he was found, a time when the prosecution and defense had mutually agreed that Kirsten had been in Panica, which right. is that that other town in Las in Vegas. Nevada, right. I'm sorry, yes, in Nevada. Las Vegas is not a state. Um, <clears throat> this petition included sworn affidavits from three forensic entomologists, all stipulating to the fact that there would absolutely have been blowfly activity on the body if it had been exposed to the hot climate of Las Vegas all day long. So this is a sad kind of reality about these crime, you know, our crime stories is that, you know, when a body is decomposing, it's going to attract these sort of insects. And entomologists have it down to a science here saying, listen, you know, these things happen at certain times of a decomposi- decomposition. Especially with certain temperatures, the exactly. desert, the heat. It's going to decompose a lot faster than you right. would if, if cold temperatures, obviously. Yes, exactly. So this included an affidavit from Dr. Gail Anderson, a forensic entomologist who worked on the case pro bono and submitted a sworn statement concluding that the victim had died within two hours of being found. Now that wow. completely changes everything. Yeah, it does. In 2011, the judge denied the petition, uh, stating that the affidavits were insufficient because the prosecution had no opportunity to cross-examine the expert witnesses. Eventually, after many, many appeals, Kirsten was granted a hearing in October 2017. So this has now gone on for 17, 18 years at this point, where the defense presented testimony from three forensic entomologists, including Dr. Anderson, all experts had independently concluded and testified to the fact that based on weather conditions and location, the body would have been covered in blowfly eggs very shortly after death, which is such mm. a disturbing dis- description. But, yeah. you know, like I said, it's a part of um, true crime in a lot of ways. The experts all testified that blowflies arrive very soon after death and lay hundreds of easily observable eggs in a body's uh, orifices and wounds. Based, I hate the word orifices. Um, just yeah. want to put that out there. Orifices. Based, yeah. And based Had on to. the... F- 
Well, based on the fact that the body had no eggs on it, they could confidently conclude the victim had died very near to the time when the body had been discovered around 10 p.m. on July 8th when Kristen had been hours away at home. Remember, it's three hours away. So this would take a lot in order for her to kind of get there. A three-hour drive takes three hours. It's, it's, It's a ways. Yeah, based on this testimony, the court vacated Kirsten's conviction and ordered a new trial. The judge ruled that Kirsten's legal team had provided inadequate legal defense by failing to question the prosecution's estimate of Duran's time of death. Mm -hmm. On December 29th, 2017, the prosecution dismissed all charges against Kirsten. Yeah, they did. And in July 2019, Kirsten filed a federal civil rights lawsuit against the uh, L, I think it's Las Vegas Police Department, and the detectives who questioned her. She later filed a claim also for state compensation. And Darren, I feel like this is a great kind of uh, story in the sense of, you know, you've been a huge advocate for the Innocence Project and people who are wrongfully convicted. And what are your sort of overall thoughts as we sort of wrap up this very disturbing, gruesome, frankly, uh, story? Well, the Innocence Project, this is this is a Innocence Project uh, case. So you can go to innocenceproject.org oh, okay. uh, to actually learn even more about this. So mm-hmm. this, uh, th- this case is sort of near and dear into my heart just for that. But I think it shows, especially when it's, a, a crime that is sexual in nature, obviously the mutilation of, you know, private parts and, and penises mm-hmm. and anuses and all that stuff, that puts it into kind of one camp and one visibility. And then the other thing is, you know, the look upon drugs and being a meth and, and bath salts and shit like that, I think also kind of convinces people that like, oh, she was doing meth? Oh, this happened? Like, oh, it's yeah. easy to rule. And, and, and I, I, the reason that I like this case is that it just goes to show that not only do details matter, But it also shows how easy it is to get caught up in sort of this wrong place, wrong time. And, you know, and we've also seen, you know, even from Adnan Syed, who we've talked about a lot in the series, you know, like his defense attorney was horrendous. And that was sort of the reason alone. You know, when we when we were even talking about Adnan Syed, you know, the question of like, is he is he guilty or is he not guilty? The point was, was that he sort of deserved another trial anyway, because his defense mm-hmm. could not le- meet the uh, legal definition of, of, of sort of like uh, of defending. Effective counsel, yeah. Effective counsel. And so it's really important in a lot of ways to understand the nuances of the legal system um, and how even if you're innocent, and this is why I believe in the Innocence Project, uh, yeah. that sometimes doesn't matter at all. And sometimes it can be a matter of having the wrong coroner mm-hmm. or the wrong uh, doctors to come to trial. It also depends on people who, you know, wa- who would rather care about their own sentences than yours. You know, not everyone is into criminal justice and into, uh, you know, having things be fair. And as, right. as we saw with Corinda, it's like she was concerned yeah. with getting herself off, which I sort of don't blame her for in prison. But at the same time, she almost ruined this other woman's life who clearly was just trying yeah. to defend herself in a lot of ways. So... Yeah, I am right there with you. I mean, there's so much happening here. And not to go in depth into the Adnan case, everyone knows pretty much what's going on with that. But you put it out point, you put it out there very uh, eloquently. It's like, whether he's guilty or not, any person, no matter who they are, deserves a fair trial to prove their innocence or whatever, you know, and I just don't 
you know, that case in particular just really had, it had ineffective assistance of counsel. She wasn't even looking up, you know, his, his alibi, uh, the the phone records were not supposed to even be used. I mean, the time differences things. were super different. Yeah. You know, it's just like it's, it's so weird. It is. It is so weird and so insane. So uh, this yeah. just goes to show, like, not everything, even at the trial, is what it seems. And to kind of That's be right. open to all possibilities, it is innocent until proven guilty for a reason. We do not have That's to right. prove innocence. We have to prove guilt in the court of there law behind a reasonable doubt. Uh, but with that being said, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this week's case. Again, we are coming out with our after show for the Patreon listeners and subscribers. Um, and you can, of course, follow me and John on all things social media. You can follow me Yay. at Carpe Dick and John Thrasher at J Thrasher. <laughs> we will update you guys always on our Instagram, certainly on Twitter as well. And we're just so excited mm-hmm. and keep on the lookout uh, in our Patreon page as well. Cause sometimes we respond and have funny things. So oh, yeah. we'll be giving you guys more content as the week's going forward. Oh yeah. And by the way, we'll get into some of that as well because Sarah, let's do listener shout outs. Let's do Sarah, it. Sarah on Patreon said, is it weird that I might be more excited for episodes of driving with John than I am for new murder cases. Now, Sarah is referencing my intro video that I posted last week, Darren, Mm -hmm. um, where I told the listeners I might uh, be recording a lot of videos about my behind-the-scenes life from my car because it's the only time I'm ever just kind of alone doing my own thing. It's your second apartment, if you will, your car. (laughs) It really is, yeah. So I actually bought a phone mount that will go on the inside of my windshield just for Patreon. Literally, I have no other reason to do this but to just record myself when I'm driving. And I thought it might be a cute little like mini series just for the Patreon listeners. So maybe you could out. call me and we I was could thinking talk that yeah while you drive, but I want you to yeah. be very safe. I'm very no everything is everything that. is hands free. I'm I'm totally safe. It would be just like you're right there in the car with me, basically. I would but love I it. will call you. That's a really good idea. I might do I think that. that would be fun. And Susan Mully, a new Patreon supporter this week, so a new patron said Yay. I to the above comments, I'm addicted to your show. Well, Susan, Uh-oh. thank God you can't overdose on us. Am I right? <laughs> Am I right here, people? That is so, a great way to put that, Darren. That was smart. Thank- did you do that right off the top of your head? Yeah, I did. The drug wow. you can't overdose from, our show. Shaken and That's- disturbed. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you, Susan, for your lovely comments. We really appreciate it. That's right. And shout out to some of our newest Patreon supporters, including Allison Taylor, Rihanna Cruley Rogers. I hope I said that right. Caitlin Sumner, Haley, Matthew Kozakowitz. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. Oh, Susan that's got to be right. That's got to be right. And of course, Susan Molly, Derek College, Stephanie Schroffel. Schroffel? <laughs> Schroffel. That's right. Schroffel. And, of course, my good friend who came to our DC show, Darren, an all-around great human, Julie Riddle, who is just Yes, who's the best person. last name Isn't of all time. Isn't that a cool name? Time. Well, um, is it, though, because um, Tom Riddle is Voldemort, so I don't know. We'll have to think about that one. I um, am abstaining from this conversation, <laughs> but you guys should not abstain from us. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Shaken and Disturbed. Please, Wherever yes. you listen to your podcast, we really appreciate a review. We obviously want you to be honest, but we are begging for five-star reviews here. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm conflicted on what to tell you, but we could appreciate yeah. any any feedback and reviews. It, it greatly enhances us getting seen by other people, and uh, yes. we really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, and of course, like I said, join us on Patreon for all the fun bonus content and driving with John and whatever else you know we might surprise you with. Patreon.com slash Shaken and Disturbed, or click the link in our show notes. Darren, what uh, a fun show. 
what a fun, interesting, good show, and just goes to show that someone ended up being innocent after all of yeah. this, after all this mutilation, and I like to hear that. So yes. uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and be on the lookout for tomorrow for our after show. After show. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye.